Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, today's message. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come together and to just remember God, just to acknowledge you. Lord, this weekend we had celebrated the the anniversary of D-Day, and we remembered all the soldiers that we lost and all the soldiers that, we, that fought for freedom. Lord, that freedom could reign throughout the globe. Lord, and we just remember that, that you made the ultimate sacrifice for us, that freedom would reign for all that would accept it. Lord, so this morning, we just, just getting back to the basics a little bit, God, and that's what I felt like you called us to to have a deeper understanding, to go to the next level, we have to always go back to the basics. Lord, we just thank you for that, and I just pray that this word just, just pour out this morning, just your word would be poured out on us, and that the Holy Spirit would breathe on it, it would come to life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so I kind of gave it away a little bit, a little back to the basics, preeminence of Christ, okay, and what I'm going to be preaching on is John's simple message, okay, over the past, I don't know, a couple years, I've had several, let's say, conversations with people, and loved ones, actually, brothers and sisters, you know, um, friends, colleagues that I worked with at the school district, and people have a really interesting viewpoint of who Christ is, what, what the Word of God is. And I become frustrated. I become frustrated because people have a tendency to try to morph the Bible and morph who Christ is into what they want him to be. You know, and that's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. So I started researching this. I started praying about it, and I started looking at it, and I started reading uh, John. John's one of my favorite writers. So, you know, uh, John 1, you know, that's my favorite verse. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, so that, I mean, I, I just camped on that for so long, and just reading through that section of Scripture, and just, man, John has so much knowledge of who Jesus is. And if you look at the book of John, it, it illustrates or each, each chapter is a different picture of who Christ is. Have you ever noticed that? The word of life, the bread of life, you know, the water of life. I mean, he has a different theme. In every, every book, he reveals to us a different aspect of who Jesus is. So if you've never done that study or never looked at the book of John, that's really good. But I'm not going to be preaching out of the book of John. I'm going to be preaching out of the book of 1 John because it deals with something very specific. It is the the fundamentals of our faith. It's the basic tenets of what we believe. So we're going to start in John 1, 1, at verse 1 through 4. So we're going to read that this morning together. So if you have your Bibles, you can break that out, or you can, I got it up there on the, the screen, so you can check that out. It says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our own hands, concerning the word of life. And the life was manifest, 
And we have seen and, and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifest to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Things we write, uh, these things we write so that our joy may, may be made complete. Have you ever wondered why a writer writes the things that he, that he does? He's got to be motivated by something, right? He's got to be motivated. Something's in the background pushing him forward. And then the Holy Spirit comes on him and says, John, write this. So this is a letter. This is actually a, what they call a general epistle. It's not, it's really interesting. It's not written to any particular church. And it's, John doesn't even say that I, John, write this. He doesn't even identify himself in it. It's just understood that John was the last guy standing. He was in a position at that time when this was written, about 90, I think it was like 96 AD, something like that. John was almost 100 years old. He was the last disciple. All the rest had been either martyred or died. So he was in Asia. He was overseeing the churches in Asia after his exile uh, at the island of Patmos. He went back to Ephesus, and he was writing um, at this time. And something was happening in the churches. So he's, he's an old dude. He's just like, love Jesus. And that's what they said. They said they'd bring John in, and every meeting that they had, he'd say, love Jesus. They're like, why do you keep saying love Jesus? You know? And so he was, he was, very, he was you know, advanced in age, but he was still writing. He was still ministering. He was still overseeing the operations of the church throughout Asia, which is really interesting and cool. Makes us look at retirement in a whole different way, doesn't it? <laughs> but what was happening is there was heresy in the church. There were false prophets coming in and teaching things that were not right. So John, I mean, Paul does address them specifically, but, but John, I like John because he's very absolute, and I'm kind of an absolute kind of guy. There are things in the Word of God that are absolute. They don't change over time. They don't change because of culture. They don't change because we want them to change or we have a different perspective. They are absolute. And John's that kind of guy. This is the way it is. So John starts out by restating, um, a positive restatement of what he and the disciples had witnessed with their own eyes and touched with their own hands. There was this rise of what's called, is right after, I mean, right about the same time, the early church was developed, so as the apostles started to age, you know, getting into their, their later years, there was a rise of Gnosticism. You guys ever heard of Gnosticism before? So there was this rise of Gnosticism in the church, and what Gnostics believed was that there were two worlds. There was a spirit world and a physical world. The spirit world was good, and the physical world was evil. Okay? Sound pretty good? sounds pretty good spirit world physical world but the problem with that is 
once you adopt that philosophy, and that philosophy started being preached in the church, it started to change who Christ was. See, because in the physical, Jesus was physically, God physically manifest, right? That doesn't, that doesn't line up, because the physical is evil, and the spiritual is good. So Jesus couldn't be physical. God couldn't have come down and manifest himself physically, because then he would be corrupted and evil. So they had to change who Christ was. And they were teaching that, and several different uh, teachings in this time, one of them was that, that God possessed Jesus, his spirit possessed Jesus when he was baptized by John. So that was what the Gnostics were trying to re, you know, try to fit their philosophy into the gospel. They said that they had a relationship with Jesus Christ and that he was a spirit and he was good and he was God, but they had to change his humanity. Because that didn't line up with their philosophy. Plato was, a, was one that was, at that time, that was, um, had written about Gnosticism in this, this two worlds. So think about that for a second. So God's spirit possessed him when he was baptized by John. And then left him at the cross. That's kind of strange, because once once that happened, then what did they do? Jesus was no longer fully man, right? And for him to pay for sin, he had to be fully man and fully God. Fully man, he could pay for his own sin, but fully God, he could pay for everybody's sin. So the Gnostics kind of got things a little confused here. And they took it a step further. They, and there was two schools of thought in, within Gnosticism. It was sin is irrelevant because it is physical. And through the acquisition of knowledge, the smarter I become, the more wisdom that I have, the more intellectual ascent that I have, I become more like God. Does that sound familiar? It's alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. The more I become, the smarter I become, the more knowledge that I have, I don't need God anymore because I'm becoming like God, an ascension being. I've become all-knowing like God. Hmm. I know somebody that thought that too. Well, they had some things confused, and John was like, Y'all dumb. <laughs> if he was southern, that's what he'd say. You guys got something going on up there. That ain't right. So John starts out his epistle by restating what they had seen, what they had heard, what they had touched, because they knew that a spirit couldn't possess a body for a long period of time. So if if that was true, what the Gnostics were saying was true, then the, John's going, look, I walked with him. I talked with him for three years. He was not a spirit. We touched, we saw, we experienced Christ. He was fully man. A sp- you can't feel and touch a spirit. You can't sit and lay your head on his lap and him stroke your hair, and you can't dip your bread in the same bowl as him. You know, John was the one that Jesus loved, right? So, you know, Peter, James, and John, the three, the three that were closest. John was interesting because John was there the whole time. He was there 
at the, you know, I mean, from the beginning, he was one of the first disciples called. He was there at, you know, almost all the miracles. He's present. He's there in the house where they questioned Jesus. The high priest brought him in and questioned him. He was there because of the relationship that he had with the high priest. He was there at the crucifixion. He was the only disciple at the cross. So John had a unique perspective, and he was really blasting the Gnostics. He was saying, you guys don't know what you're talking about. I was there, and he's the last one, right? So think about the authority in which he speaks. This letter is written with firsthand knowledge, like it was yesterday. He's almost 100 years old, but he writes in such absolute terms. So verse, we're going to look at verse 1 through 5. This is really, he's, he's stating the basics of the Christian faith. That is, that is, Jesus is the incarnate word of God, the word of life. So let's read this real quick. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and what we have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life. You have a different perspective on what the words mean now? He was speaking directly to the heresy that was in the church. The word of life. That Jesus Christ was the incarnate word, the spoken word of God. And he came down and he was with us. He took on human form. We seen him. We touched him. We felt him. We experienced him. He was saying, you guys are wrong. From the beginning. I looked at that. From the beginning. When, when the writers say that from the beginning, you know what they're really saying? That that which was in the beginning is the most important. It's the preeminent position of rank and order. Preeminence, the head. So what John is saying, right here it says, from the beginning, he was from the beginning. So he's assigning a preeminent status to who Jesus is. He's like, uh, he was God before this world was ever made. And matter of fact, he goes on to say, he made it. And he came in earthly form, flesh, physical. They were saying physical is evil. Uh, Christ came in a physical form. That which is from the beginning is stable and consistent. It doesn't change. There's no need for new revelation. Because whenever you, you see some rise of a new faith or a new religion, one of the things that, that earmark what they say is we have new revelation. We have a, a deeper knowledge. Come follow us. We have a deeper understanding. Yes, we're, we're um, disciples of Christ. We, we have relationship with Christ, but he has given us a deeper understanding. He really didn't come in earthly form. Heresy. Because it started to change who Christ was. 
not as deity, but as humanity. So that's what they did. They attacked the humanity of Christ just to change it. Christ is good. He's a great prophet. He's a man of God. He was spirit. He was God, but he wasn't human. That's what they started to do. So John sets them straight. That which is from the beginning is eternal. It doesn't change. Let's pick up at verse 5. <clears throat> it says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we, do, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, right? Check it out. They said that sin doesn't exist. Sin is physical. We're spiritual. If you get this new revelation, if you get this new knowledge, you're going to ascend by, above that so sin doesn't matter anymore. So you can do anything. There was two schools of thought. You can do anything you want. You can embrace all immorality. What, you can do whatever you want because it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect your spiritual being because your spiritual being is good. And that spiritual part of you is going to ascend through knowledge and wisdom and this deeper understanding that we have. And you're going to become like God, and then sin won't matter. So do whatever you want. That was one school of thought. The other school of thought was, make your body submit. You've got to break your body and sin in your body. And so they went in two different directions. One, hey, party, right? And the other was, start whipping yourself and beating yourself into submission and, and you know, reject all earthly desire and pleasure. So that was the two, the rise of two schools of thought and Gnosticism. So John's like, if you say that you don't have sin, you lie. Right, check it out. This is cool. Let's back up a little bit because this is interesting because it talks about walking in the light. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness. That, you know they're talking about intellectual enlightenment here. God is all-knowing. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, but if you walk in darkness, you are lost. That's what John's saying. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ sent, uh, cleanses us from our, all our sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceit, deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, we are he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we do not have, if we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his words are not in us. If we don't have sin, then there was no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. John's saying, your teachings are heresy and they're lies. And we're not going to let it in the church. And he doesn't, but he does it in a different way. He does it in absolute terms, in a restatement of what he experienced and who Jesus Christ is. But you can see it now, can't you? 
So you read over that, and if you didn't know that background knowledge, you wouldn't really understand where John's coming from. But with that background knowledge, your arm now, you're going, oh. Man, I could list about five right off the top of my head of religions or pseudo-religions or philosophies or movements that have Gnosticism in it, that diminish Christ of who he is. I bet you something's popping in your head right now. I'm not going to name them, but you know. Derivations of Christianity, they, they take the fundamentals, the basics, and then they corrupt it for their own purpose, their own will. John's setting them straight. So he starts out. Let's take a look at this. The first thing that John says that we have to have, the basics of our Christian faith, or excuse me, basics of our Christianity is sound faith. You have to start with an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. He is the preeminent one. He is the head. He is from the beginning. He is God incarnate. He is the word of life. He became flesh so that he could, through obedience, die on the cross in your place. Let's get it straight, church. Anything that counters that, anything that diminishes Christ and his preeminence is heresy. Plain and simple. Absolute. Jesus Christ is God. And we need to understand that. So John, he goes through this. He refutes these heretics, saying that you're not truly enlightened, stating that the message that the apostles preached from God is perfect, which in, in what they're saying is Jesus is perfect. The message was perfect. He, he is the message. So Jesus said, or John says that true believers habitually walk in the light. So if we look at verse, go back up to five real quick. It says this is the message, the message. So John's restating the message that Jesus gave them. The message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light. He is the enlightened one. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. Then the cross becomes relevant. His blood cleanses us from that sin. If we, have, we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteousness. And he himself is the propitiation 
for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. There's a general call that goes out. Jesus died when he died, he died for all of mankind. We know that not all will be saved, but the, there's that possibility, there's that option. The general call goes out to all mankind. I like what John says, my little children. He's 100 years old. He can call them little children. <laughs> He's like, my little babies. The test of knowing him. So John says, you got to start out with sound faith. First and foremost, you got to know who Jesus is. And there can't be any doubt about that. The test. You want to know if you're a Christian? Here it comes. <laughs> Uh-oh. True believers obey Jesus' commands. How can you say you're a Christian, Christ follower, Christ-like, if you don't follow his commands? Our act of love, of our obedience, to, is obedience to God and his commands. How can you be a follower of Christ if you don't know his commands? If you don't have a relationship with him? If you don't follow his teachings? If you don't read the word? If you don't get in there and you know what it says? Starts with sound faith. Then it goes to obedience to his commands. That's what John says. It says that we must walk in the same manner as Jesus walked in obedience to the Father. Jesus told his disciples many times, I only do what I see the Father doing or what the Father tells me to do. Jesus demonstrates his obedience when he surrenders to the cross. Obedience is the key. Surrender, surrendering your heart and walking in obedience to Christ's commands. What did he command us to do? It, John says, this is not a new command. I'm not telling you to do something that, you know, God himself didn't write in the law. When they asked Jesus, when the Pharisees tried to trip him up, and they were, you know, the, they were trying to, to get him to mess up, they asked him a question. They said, what is the greatest command in the law? What did Jesus say? Say it, Pastor Bobby. Say it loud. Say it proud. With all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love thy neighbor as yourself. In these two commands, all of the law and the prophets reside. Think about it. Love God and love people. that simple that's the basics of our christian faith john breaks it down preeminence of christ you've got to believe who christ is you got to have sound faith in who jesus is and what he came to do i mean who he was the reality of christ then you have to obey his commands in obeying his commands you show love to god 
And then the third one, he said, you've got to show love to others. Let's read this. By this we know that we come to know him. If we keep his commandments, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. I like John. Liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Beloved, I am not will, I'm not writing a new co- a command to you, but an old one, which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is word which you have heard. On the other hand, I am writing a new commandment to you, which the is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides. Now, John likes that word, abides. You guys should write that down and research that, do a word study on it. The one that his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. You can't say you love God if you have hate in your heart. If you have not forgiven the ones that have hurt you the most. That's pretty strong, isn't it? If you hate your brother and you say you love God, you're lying. That's what John says. It's in the book. Love God. Love others. These three sub-themes are constantly repeated in John's epistle in regards to the basics of Christianity. These three factors, sound faith, obedience, love, reveal the key cycle of truth, of true spirituality in 1 John. There's so many people out there, so many things out there that are saying, hey, come, come follow this teaching or come follow this and you'll be spiritually enlightened and you'll ascend to a higher morality and, you know, through intellectual ascent hogwash sound faith obedience to God's commands and true love that is how you become like Christ to be Christian Christ like through those three things these factors produce something they're operating in your life this is amazing if they're operating in their in your in your life think about this for a second all right so we know who christ is we agree who christ is he is the preeminent one he has the position in our life he's the head of my life he's the head of my household he's the head of my family he's the head of 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 our government he's the head of our church if he is in the right position and we obey his commands and we love one another we're going to experience something that god promises 
happiness, holiness, and assurance. Happiness, holiness, and assurance. That's what he says. So I challenge you, if you are not happy, happy, oh, that song's going through my mind, you know, that new song, happy, if you clap your hands, if you're happy, happy. Right. I don't know if that's a Christian song or not. I might have been listening to a secular station. But it's a kind of a catchy tune. I'm happy. You happy? I'm happy because I know who Jesus Christ is. I'm happy because I know where I'm going in the end. I'm happy because I know God's going to heal me. I'm happy because I don't have to worry about where my bread's coming from. I have assurance of my faith. You see? The reason people aren't happy is because they're holding on to unforgiveness. Or they don't have assurance of faith. Or they struggle with holiness, impurity, immorality, and they haven't let go of that yet and surrendered that to Christ and obeyed his commands. If you're not happy, and you definitely aren't holy, <laughs> and you don't have the assurance of, I mean, you, you struggle with fear and strife, and you struggle with, oh my God, where's my next paycheck going to come from? Oh man, where? Okay. God will never leave you or forsake you. He will never see his children begging for bread. Assurance. found this and this is kind of long but it's a great ending it's a great ending check this out where it all begins this is where we have to start we have to start right here we have to give christ his rightful place now i'm going to read this and it's long but it's worth the time the glories of christ <clears throat> one of the great tenets of scripture is the claim that Jesus Christ is completely sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. He is sufficient for creation, salvation, sanctification, and glorification. So pure is he that there is no blemish, stain, spot of sin, defilement, lying, deception, corruption, error, or imperfection. So complete is he that there is no other God besides him. He is the only begotten Son, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. He is the heir of all things. He created all things, and all things were made by him, through him, and for him. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He is the firstborn of all creation. He is the exact representation of God. He is the only mediator between God and man. He is the sun that enlightens. He's the physician that heals. He's the wall of fire that defends. 
the friend that comforts, the pearl that enriches, the ark that supports, the rock that sustains. Under the heaviest of pressure, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty on high. He is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's better than Aaron. He's better than Joshua. He's better than Melchizedek. He's better than all prophets and greater than Satan and stronger than death. He has no beginning and no end. He is the spotless lamb of God. He is is our peace. He is our hope. He is our life. He is the living and the true way. He is the strength of Israel. He is the root and the offspring of David. He is the bright and morning star. He is faithful and true. He is the author and the finisher of of our faith. He is the captain of our salvation. He is the champion. He is the elect one. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. He is the righteous servant. He is the Lord of hosts, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth. He is the man of sorrows. He is the light. He is the Son of Man. He is the vine. He is the bread of life. He is the door. He is Lord. He is prophet, priest, and king. He is our Sabbath rest. He is our righteousness. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the chief shepherd. He is the Lord God of hosts. He is the Lord of all nations. He is the Lion of Judah. He is the living word and the rock of our salvation. The eternal spirit. He is the ancient of days. Creator, comforter, Messiah. He is the great I am. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Could you stand with me? Could I have my altar uh, counselors come, my prayer teams? If you're here today and you're going, oh my gosh. I thought I was a Christian. <laughs> it's all right. I think the same thing. When I read this, oh God, <laughs> am I loving my brother? Do I have any hate in my heart? Am I obeying your commands? If you want to solidify that this morning, if you're struggling in the happiness, holiness, assurance, why don't you come down? Don't leave here today without somebody praying with that's what these people are here for. Don't leave here today without it. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior and you're like, man, I need that guy as the head of my life because I know I think I'm smart. I think I got it all figured out. But man's wisdom pales in comparison. you want to really experience true enlightenment true spirituality it's found in those things sound faith obedience and love it's a simple message experience it by accepting Jesus into your heart 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. We thank you that you are the preeminent one, that you were from the beginning, that all things were created by you, through you, and for you. For your glory, not ours. And I pray right now we, sh we shift our thinking. Instead of thinking from a man perspective and trying to fit God into what we think that we know, Lord, I pray that you enlighten our minds to, to see as you see. To have a God perspective of man, humanity, sin, of our own sin nature. So I pray right now, God, over this word, that it sink into the hearts of all the people here, that they experience you, that they know you, that they love you. They won't leave here today without that assurance of faith. I know that I know that I know that I'm going to be with him forever. Two realities. That's what they say. No, there's only one. It's not subjective. It's eternal. When you die, you will stand in judgment. What will you say? Will you say, I am a child of Jesus Christ? You'll heal their words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or, you'll hear, depart me from me. I knew you not. I just pray right now that we come to that place of surrender and obedience in our hearts. Pour out your spirit upon us today, God. Just raise your hand to him. Come on, church, raise your hands. Free to do so, raise them up. Lord, I surrender. Lord, we surrender to you. We say, have your will, have your way. We accept the preeminence of Christ. Christ as the head, as God over our lives. Just thank you for that. We accept it right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Come down here. As we, as we go, I'll uh, get the visitors um, or guests in the back. But don't leave here if, if you have something, that, a need of some kind. Healing, salvation. You need intercession of any way. That's what these people are right here for. So make sure that you uh, utilize that. God bless and have a great week.